Hello everybody, welcome back to another True Potential Do More With Your Money podcast. This week we're going to be talking about some of the, the main questions that you might be thinking of as an investor and whether they are fact or are they fiction. We'll find out over the next few minutes or so. Joined today in the studio by Hayley, uh, Chris is here and Neil as well. Hello everyone. Hello. Hello. Thanks for joining us on the week's podcast. I want to come to you first, Neil, for some fact or fiction, your opinion on this one. It's one that comes up quite regularly, as you might imagine. Is investing for anyone or do you have to be very wealthy to be an investor? No, not at all. Um, definitely it's for everyone. Um, we see people from sort of all incomes, all ages. Um, you know, you might have older people who have historically more money or older people who don't have as much money. Um, we take investments from anyone. You can invest from up to one pound via an impulse save. Um, so it's definitely, True Potential is definitely geared towards every investor. And has that changed? I mean, if you go back maybe five, ten years, mm-hmm. was investing before technology allowed you to do the things you've just talked about and invest from, say, a pound and all the rest of it? Did it used to be the preserve of the rich? Uh, not really. I mean, you know, years ago, you used to set up things like endowment policies and, you know, savings and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I would say personal wealth has increased, and that's predominantly down to the fact that, you know, we've historically had a rise in house prices and people are very um, asset rich, which has allowed them to not only have very low mortgages at the start, but also increase their uh, overall wealth and then also have a lot of net disposable income. Um, some people might argue with that. Um, you know, some people may talk about the the high cost of living um, at this moment in time. But generally, over the years, as an average, I think people are becoming um, more wealthier and able to put that little bit more aside. Okay. And, and Hayley, Neil mentioned that impulse save. For anybody maybe who's joining the podcast or watching the podcast for the first time, might not be aware what that is. Yeah. Tell, tell us what impulse save is and how does it make a difference? How does it do the things that Neil's talking about? So, as Neil said, it's from as little as a pound. You can invest straight into any policies that you've got. Um, it's through the client site, so on the app and available on the website. You go on and it's very much like an Amazon like purchase. So you put your bank details in, you can save the car for future and it's it's really straightforward. It takes like a few seconds to do. Mm. With you having the flexibility of the kind of lower amount, it gives you the availability of put as much or as little as you can can afford or, or want to, and you can do it as often as you want as well. So people will be obviously familiar with you know making a bank transfer within their within their bank accounts, dead yeah. easy on your phone. Yeah. But this is a way to invest in markets in, in yeah. our portfolios yeah. exactly the same way. Or so you say, yeah. like an Amazon exactly. page, just dead easy. I yeah. think historically as well with financial advisors um, who used to predominantly used to visit your house, mm-hmm. you would never call a financial advisor around to invest ten pound, mm-hmm. yeah. you know twenty pound. They wouldn't come around for that level, and also with their fees and mm-hmm. typically and historically. So the technology allows you to really invest as little as a pound, and that's yeah. what a lot of people. Love. And when people invest, Chris, turning to you then with your uh, looking at you, because obviously from the investment team, when people do that, when they're investing, what's happening to that money? Where does it go? Yeah, absolutely. So basically, um, that money will go through our True Potential investment platform, and then it will hopefully go into the True Potential portfolio proposition. So within that, we have five different risk categories. So from defensive right the way through up to aggressive. And what we do is we invest that money on behalf of clients. And the key goal there is, is to help clients grow their money and for them to hit their goals. So what will happen is the money will come to us. And then what we'll do is we'll then invest that with the help of our managers that we work with into stock markets, so into company shares, into bonds, into commodities, into alternative assets, into currency, into lots of different ways of providing a diversified solution 
which hopefully will will allow clients to grow their money and hit their goals. And, and do you think, from an education point of view, do you think people are more aware and perhaps a bit more comfortable these days with investing? Maybe, you know, again, going back many, many years, maybe it had a mystique around it, whereas do you think now it's maybe there's a bit more, it's easy to go online and find out about investing, and, and we obviously do a lot of education through here at True Potential, things like this. Um, is there just more awareness of that part of what, what we're seeing? Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I mean, I think... Um, you know, obviously the internet means there's a huge amount more awareness of absolutely everything. And within that, you know, a lot of people are, are genuinely really interested in, in the stock market, in investing. You know, I really enjoy, I speak to quite a lot of clients um, and I like clients that are interested in, in what we're doing, that have their own opinions. Um, so I, I, think, I think there's a lot more information available, mm-hmm. but is there a lot more useful information available? I'm not necessarily sure that's that's exactly the case. Um, but certainly, you know, if someone wants to say, you know, I'm thinking about investing, there are a huge myriad of, of different pieces of information, different options that, that they can potentially think about. Which is why it's always worth picking up with your advisor and having yeah. through some of the nonsense to get straight to it. So I think we're all agreed then that uh, do you have to be rich to invest? That is fiction. We can all agree. I think, yeah, I think as well, just to tie into that, you know, certainly when you're using technology, not only are the amounts that you can invest small amounts, but, you know, tell me somebody who doesn't have a mobile phone nowadays. Tell me somebody who hasn't, you know, numerous apps on their phone with the app that we've got. You just simply open your phone and you can invest from as little as a pound, taken straight from your debit card. Yeah. I say the only silver lining to come out of COVID is that people are more in tune with technology. Yeah, 100%. Like people FaceTime and stuff, like my grandparents and what have you, throughout that time, FaceTime to see me little one. And previous to that, they wouldn't have had a clue or wouldn't have done it. So I think people are more in tune with kind of... But are they impulse saving as well? Are they FaceTime and an impulse saving? All, all the time. All the time. All the time. <laughs> right. Um, I'm going to stick with you really for our next fact or fiction. When you retire, you've done the hard work, you've built up your pension, you've built up your savings... You're now going to enjoy that money, but is yeah. that the time to stop investing? So fact or fiction, do you stop investing when you retire? Um, I would go with no. So your investment, you've built up your pot, you've you've worked, you've kind of saved, you've, you've done your impulse saves. It's now at that point where it sits. Now, you've still got a further what, 20 to 30 years of investment opportunity within there. So once you retire, your pot still stays invested. You're still potentially getting growth off the back of that. So there's still kind of, a lot of room for opportunities within the investments when you've got them there. Yeah, I think, I think this is a big thing, actually. I know we've talked about this a little bit when, when we've spoken to clients together. You know, a lot of clients sort of automatically think that, you know, when you hit retirement yeah. age, then then that's it. But your pot is still invested. It's still growing. And, you know, if you live for, I don't know, another 20, 30 years, I mean, that's a huge amount of growth that, that you can potentially get there. So I think for me, it's about thinking about an investment part as something that is is continuous and actually can continue on longer than that. You know, if you decide that you want to leave some of that part to your children, if you've got children, then it becomes a sort of a super long-term investment overall. And it's a great way, you know, Chris has really touched on a good point with the pension side of things, yeah. which is where the larger funds typically are, that, you know, if you don't have any need for that pension, you can leave it to your beneficiaries. Um, and it's, you know, outside of your estate, first of all, from an inheritance tax point of view, mm-hmm. and it's really important that people are starting to look at pensions to start to look at it and think, oh, I'm going to 
really ramp up my savings now because this is going to provide for my kids when I'm not here anymore. Yeah. I mean, the, the rules changed in 2015, wasn't it, around yeah. the freedoms, freedoms and the options yeah. people have with their pensions. So, yeah. pre, you know, typically before that might have been an annuity, for example, where yeah. that yeah, that was it. Your sort of pension was yeah. bought an annuity and it was done. But, but yeah. now you can leave it invested and just take what you need as you need it. Is that right? Yeah, so flexi access, um, you know, you can flexibly access your pension. You know, you might say, I want to take £15,000 in one year, uh, but take a lower amount the next year or more. You can, it's up to you, really. Um, but and yeah. what's, left in, what's left in it is continuing to grow. Yeah, hopefully. it's invested, so that's really important. Um, you know, we all talk about um, keeping the money in the pension because of certain tax benefits, but it's really important to think that's growing. Um, I don't need to worry about that because they're in a managed portfolio. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And are there... Are there you know, if people are leaving their pension invested and, and continuing to invest uh, once they retire, are there any rules around how much you can invest once you've retired and you've started a draw? Yeah, so if, you, if, you, if you've got a pension, there's a, there's a couple of rules around it. Um, if you just take your tax-free cash out your pension, if you want to take your tax-free cash out your pension, um, if you need to take your tax-free cash out your pension, then as long as you just take the tax-free cash, you can contribute up to £60,000 or um, 100% of what, you, what your earnings are at that point. Um, if you take the income part of the pension, you are reduced to £10,000 uh, per annum. So there are a couple of rules about it. Um, I would say probably if you're insured, uh, ring the head yeah. office advice team and speak to speak to a financial, speak to a financial is it something that is is that one of the major topics conversation? common question yeah common yeah. question um i still want to i'm i'm semi-retired i'm take, i'm taking some from my pension but i want to put you know some in uh, or i've got i'm just taking my state pension and my other pensions grown mm. you know it's 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 dependent on your circumstances okay so do you stop investing when you retire fact or fiction <clears throat> well it's you don't need to you can yeah. continue to uh, paying and keep on investing if you want to within the rules as you say uh, depending but speak to, speak to an advisor always the best advice alright Chris going to come to you next for yes. another fact or fiction can you time the markets nice easy one for you there um, time timing the market is incredibly difficult to do um, why so it's because there are so many different variables there so what what is the best thing for a fund manager to do the best thing for a fund manager to do is to research an idea believe in that idea and then they will look to time when they the best entry point to that idea but what they're not looking to do is to sort of disinvest reinvest just around different global phenomena different global news stories now what you want to do is you want to have an edge on what you're buying and you have that edge through the research that you do now that is Still not an easy thing to do, not an easy thing to get right, but there are fund managers that are very, very good at it. But if someone came to me and said, you know, what's your, your specialism? And they said market time, I'd probably laugh them out of the room because it's it's not it's not the easiest thing to do. What are some of the variables you mentioned? Them. Give us a few examples. Yeah, of- so how do you consistently time markets and how do you consistently get right, say, disinvesting or reinvesting? That's that's a really challenging thing to do because there's so many different variables that move asset markets, that move stock market pricing. So whether that be geopolitical variables, um, you know, let's let's say give you an example. Let's think of something like COVID. Could you have timed COVID? You couldn't. You know, you haven't got an edge over anyone else around what's going to happen with COVID, what's going to happen with lockdowns, when we're going to everything's going to restart. You can move around that. You, know, you can move maybe more into cash if you think that's the right thing to do or actually the opposite if you think that you're starting to see research come through that allows you to, to make some moves there. But um, 
it's very, very difficult to do overall. I mean, I've got some stats for you, actually. So I was looking at, um, if you look at a portfolio, you start off with £200,000, okay? Mm-hmm. So you invest that portfolio into what we call a 60-40 portfolio. So 60% global stocks, so global company shares, 40% global bonds. Now, if you would have done that in 1999 and you would have taken it to basically the end of September, you would have, 200,000 would have gone up to 800,000, okay? So really significant gain overall. But if you would have taken out the 10 best days over that time period, that 200,000 would have been 571,000. Right. Now, you would have had someone saying, well, you know what, I think now I'm a bit nervous about markets, I'm going to take my money out. Then the key question is, well, actually, you know, when do you reinvest? What is it that you're looking for? You know, one of the questions that we get a lot now is, should I disinvest? Should I move into cash? And my answer to that is, is stay invested. Mm-hmm. You can never time markets mm-hmm. and time it so perfectly mm-hmm. that you will make a, a load of money. It just it just doesn't work. Because like yeah. you do, Ellie, you, you do, you know, you read things on the internet on Twitter or X as it is now. People, you know, stock pickers are sitting at home doing this. Then, you know, it's... They can't be getting it right that often. I know that the reason I suppose you hear about the, the famous examples is because they're so rare. Yeah. Because you're always behind the curve. If you're sitting and trying to time the market, stuff's already happened before you can get into it and take the benefit. So yeah. it must be impossible to do it. I mean, I certainly wouldn't like to have a go. <laughs> um, no, I agree. I think someone's always got to be doing well and someone's always got to be doing not so yeah. well. And I think trying to time that is just... Yeah. You've, you've got to have some inside information, I think, from yeah. somewhere. I think you won't see the bad stories either. Yeah, yeah that's exactly. what I mean. You don't get to see the good ones rather yeah. than other people who you know might make a bit of money to start with, but then it'll fall off a cliff and, and they'll end up losing. But you'll never hear about that. And when they're on Twitter yeah. and they're standing or sitting on a Porsche, yeah. used to say that's their Porsche. Their Porsche. Very true. I saw on my news feed it came up that someone um, he made two million quid by investing in wine. And I kind of looked underneath it and when you read through the story, he was obviously just incredibly lucky with what he'd done. And presumably very hungover as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I assume he didn't drink it, but yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. You don't want to drink your investment, do you, Chris? No, that's, that's not, not a good idea. idea. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay, so, oh, the, the, well, tell us the famous phrase then. It's not timing the markets. Go on. I'll set you up perfectly. There you go. It's not timing the market. It's time in the market. Yes, exactly. So, so stay invested. Stay invested. And this leads into the old pound cost averaging, which is, Neil, I've set you up again there. Come on, I'm, I'm you know, getting them ready for you. Regular investing, um, yeah. you know, rather than a lump sum, yeah. taking the hit um, at a particular point in the market. Whereas if you regularly invest, you're taking advantage of pound cost averaging, which is basically experiencing the high and the lows in the market and building that up and through the work that happens in the portfolios, yeah. So can you time the markets? You probably shouldn't try, I think, as the... Uh... Yeah, I'd say mostly fiction. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's me kind of sitting on the fence. I'm not willing yeah. to go from one side to the well, other. I think you were sitting on this, but with your legs hanging over very much on the... Yeah, yeah, I think that's side. fair. I think yeah, yeah, yeah. Describe it like that. Not that I'm treating you directly, you on people's fence. Okay. <laughs> um, all right, Neil, I'm going to come back to you because you mentioned this before about the 25% tax from <clears throat> cash. Do you need to take it all in one go? No. All right, thanks for <laughs> Come on, tell us a little about it. Why, Definitely why might not. people think that you do? Um, there's a lot of old schemes that you had to take your 25% tax-free cash, so it's probably stuck around. Um, pension freedoms, 
you know, you, you don't have to take your 25% tax-free cash. If you want 10% tax-free cash, you can take that. If it's per, what we would say is, as a fin- from a financial advice point of view, if it's for a specific purpose that you need that money um, and we consider it good financial advice, then take that tax-free cash. Yeah. What you're also doing is, is if you take that 25% tax-free cash full allocation out, put it in your bank, one, it's in your estate if you have a large estate, um, if you even if you don't have an estate issue from an inheritance tax point of view, that money's never going to go back into your pension. Okay, so keep it invested. Why take it out if you don't need it? Yeah, you might want a holiday, you might want a new car. That can be taken out in most cases with a less than twenty five percent tax free cash. The main thing is it's going to grow. Um, and if you're looking to take an income from your pension at some point, which you probably will do, it's going to reduce the amount of income that you get in, in the future because you've taken you've taken it out, which is going to reduce the pot size. Yeah. So you so maybe people are thinking, well, if I don't take twenty five, if I just took ten, can I not? Can you know? Do I not? Am I not? They're not allowed the other fifteen percent tax rate. You are, aren't you? So you yeah, can take ten percent one year. Come back and take the other, say, fifteen the next yeah, year. You, you know, can spread it like that. Yeah, and if you speak, you don't to, lose it basically. Correct, and if you speak to a financial advisor, he can structure it really tax efficiently for you. Yeah. Maybe if you wanted some income as well, we can work within the personal tax allowances, um, which are you know um, set by the government. So there's a lot of options, but I wouldn't say if you if you don't need the money, um, don't take it out. Just don't take it. Yeah. I think just yeah. one, one thing on that actually is um, again I was looking at some numbers and you know we were talking about how a kind of pension isn't up until retirement age it's you know you stay invested yeah. throughout retirement you potentially may, may pass that on so, so we use Morningstar for expected returns for individual asset classes so again if you look at that 60-40 portfolio so 60% global shares 40% bonds it's basically the equivalent of a balanced portfolio that's expected to give you 6.4% a year so let's say that you decided to keep that 25% in for 20 years, well, that would give you a return of 246%. Over 30 years, it would give you a return of 543%. So it shows the importance of, of actually staying invested. Now, if you don't need the cash, you know, if you've not got something that you desperately need to buy or desperately need to pay off, mm-hmm. if you keep that money invested, that money will grow. Yeah, and that would mean that if, you, let's say, you took in... Let's say you split the twenty five percent over three the first three years. You took ten percent in year one, ten percent in year two, and you took the final five percent in year three. With the market growth you could experience, is it the case that the five percent could then be worth almost as much as the ten percent was two years ago because of market growth, or, or at least be worth more than it would have been in the first year? Is that right? Yeah, I mean, obviously it depends because markets can go up. Of and course, down. yeah, yeah true. of course. But, but if, so, you know, if, if you had a good couple of years in the market, it's not that final five yeah, percent yeah, worth you, more than it was. If you had a couple of strong years, then yeah. of course, yeah. Is this something which, again, you, you see a bit of to people? Is there a bit of confusion around this, do you think, still? I think people just assume a, a lot of things, to be honest with you. And I think without having a conversation with someone, it's kind of, they're not knowledgeable in this in this area. So they've never been in this position before. They've never really spoken to anybody about it before. They've worked, they've kind of got the salary and, and that's it. There's no further kind of conversation. So I think until they have that kind of initial chat with someone to say kind of, what are my options? Not a lot of people are aware of it. Really. Yeah. Well, hopefully through things like this, we're busting some of those myths, <laughs> correcting some of those bits of 
adding a bit of fact to what might have been fiction. Good. Okay. Well, I mean, I think that's, there's, there's four very um, common, I would think, misconceptions or, or topics that there might have a bit of confusion around that hopefully we have cleared up today. So thank you very much, uh, Neil, Chris and Hayley for being thank on the podcast this week. Hopefully that's been helpful. As I say, they're, they're fairly common questions that we would get, you can imagine. And uh, I'm sure that's been useful. If you have any other questions like this, by the way, or things that you're just not sure about, the simple thing as well as subscribing to things like our podcast and uh, Morning Markets, because we do cover a lot of this kind of stuff. Other uh, best thing to do is just to get in touch with us, which you can do through the client site, the app. Give us a call here. There's people here who can help you with it uh, every single day. So thank you very much for watching and we'll see you next time. Bye for now.